0: Hi, my name is Tsitsi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of enterprising families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families. And on this episode of Enterprising Families, I have with me Doug Baumel, and we are going to be speaking about the family factor. Why is it so important, how to measure it, and how to build it? I'm so excited to be um, talking to Doug about this, and I'm so happy to have you here. So welcome, Doug.
1: Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me to do this with you today.
0: You're welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into our topic for today?
1: Sure. I'm uh, Doug Balmell. I'm the founder of Continuity Family Business Consulting. Um, We're one of the larger family business consulting firms uh, based in the United States. Um, I founded the company in 2003 uh, after spending most of my career in my family business. And uh, during that time, for about 15 years of, of that um, in my earlier career, um, I was fortunate to work with uh, several family business consultants and learn uh, something about the field from them. Unfortunately, um, our family business did not benefit much from that work. Uh, we had a lot of conflict and uh, we ended up um, being forced to a sale. The company was very healthy, but conflict uh, really, really killed us, <clears throat> which is why we feel that um, when we look at families uh, in business together, we think conflict is really the, the most, um, managing conflict flow is the most important critical success factors, factor for families and uh, in business together. So um, around 2003, around 2000, when the business was sold, I thought about it and I was advised to consider getting into the field And I thought, well, we didn't succeed with family business consultancy um, as a a family business. Um, Why would I join such a field that didn't have a good outcome for us? And I thought, well, it didn't work for us because there was a lack of true understanding of conflict and the the very specific kind of conflict that families get into. Uh, And so early on, I set out to form a different type of family business consultancy, one that had conflict as its main um, you know, its main skill set. Um, so, despite the fact that you know the folks in my company have typically have business degrees or financial knowledge and whatnot, um, everyone is trained in our specific methodology for managing conflict. And so uh, that brings me to today, we have a team of about a dozen people and um, we work with with some of the largest families and family businesses and family offices, uh, certainly in this country and uh, occasionally outside the country.
0: What an incredible journey. And so this brings us to our discussion today, like you said, what is family factor? I think that's the first question because it's the most critical question.
1: Yeah, and it uh, sounds like jargon until you dig into it. Okay. So what is it? Well, when I was developing um, my uh, our approach together with Blair Tripp, my partner, when we were developing our approach to managing conflict, uh, by the way, which we wrote a book about, it's called Deconstructing Conflict. And if people are interested in a deeper dive into these topics, I recommend the book. Um, we started, Digging into what are the what are the moving parts in family businesses and family business conflict, and one of the things that we thought of was this idea of the, the measuring the degree of family connectedness, the degree or the strength of the family bond. Um, people talk about the family bond a lot, but we needed a way to measure it because if you can measure it, you can build it you know where your starting point is, you can measure your progress and you know what levers to pull to build the family connectedness, the family factor, that family bond. So um, what we came up with was a question. And the answer to this question is the family factor. And the and the, the question that, that uh, defines the family factor is, is the family bond, strong enough to leverage compromise, forgiveness and a commitment to change? I'll say it again, is the family bond strong enough to leverage compromise, forgiveness and a commitment to change? Now, if you think about that, in that question are are the elements that you need to bring a family uh, that has disagreement, that is at war, perhaps even in litigation, um, you don't have the elements to bring them together in alignment, but you, you, have, you have something to grab onto, to try and bring them into the same room. Um, and so when we, from the, from the minute, it, it has evolved to become the most important part of our work, the thing that we look for first and foremost. So from the first phone call we get, from the first stakeholder looking for help, we have our antenna up. We're trying to measure that family bond, that family factor. Um, we're listening to how that person or group talks about other family members, talks about their history, talks about what they're looking for in the future um, because that's our starting point. Now the family may present, may come to us you know, with a lot of anger. Uh, they may be even in a lawsuit there may be terrible mistrust, that doesn't necessarily mean they have a low family factor. And um, I'll explain that as we dig into the, to the components, how we actually uh, employ this concept uh, and make it, make it real.
0: So when you look at family factor from how you've described it, why do you believe it's so important to families, especially families in business
1: together? So the best way to answer that question is to to break it down, to -hmm. really describe what it is and how uh, and our process for measuring it. Okay. So when we begin an engagement, we're looking and and when we're trying to determine that the strength of that family factor, Mm -hmm. we have conversations with all the stakeholders and what we're listening for are three primary things does this family have a meaningful shared history together? Okay. Now it could be a terrible history. It could be lawsuits. It could be fighting. It could be disconnects and, and cutoffs. offs um, It could be betrayals. It That's not the point. The point is if it's meaningful. Um, family can be connected by anger and bad history just as they can be connected by good history and celebration. So we're not just looking for good stories. We're looking for stories that have meaning. And when families have a deep meaningful history together, whether it's fraught or not, they have something to lose if they don't do the hard work and take those risks to compromise, forgive and commit to change. Uh-huh. the individual personal change. Uh-huh. Because if they don't do those hard things, they lose that family connectedness. So, uh, and, and I, I guess I could explain this with um, families that are in litigation. Most people think that if you're in litigation, you're trying to you know, destroy the other side, which is probably a family member or separate. A lot of conflict in family business, especially when it reaches litigation, each side is likely to feel that they're trying to save the other side, that their position is right. And they're not trying to to destroy the other side. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that from the outside, but what, what we think and what we find is that in their hearts, they're trying to save the other side. They're trying to bring them along through force if it's litigation. Um, and, but when they're trying to, use litigation to separate and to destroy, that to us says that they have uh, not a meaningful shared history together.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That in their conflict, they've separated and maybe they're not a family anymore. And we're a family business consulting firm and we work with families. And if they're not a family, Mm -hmm. they could be arguing, litigating, doesn't matter. But if If there is no family bond, there's not much we could do with them. There's nothing to leverage, nothing to grab on. Mm -hmm. We can give them best practices. We could take them through some processes. Maybe it'll help. But for really transformational change, especially when families are in conflict, we need something to work with. We need that family bond. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's weak. Maybe they're in conflict and it's weak. But we listen to those stories. We try to find meaning in those stories Uh, And then I'll go into what we do with those stories later, but let me first finish the description. Okay. So we have the shared history piece. We try to identify uh, those stories that feed into that narrative. Mm -hmm. Then we look for, is there a shared vision of being family in the future? Or is this a family that when the patriarch or matriarch passes, that's it. They're going to cease to get together, communicate. They're gonna go their separate ways. Uh So we're looking for that that vision Uh, that's typically harder to find, especially when families are in conflict. But we start those conversations and we try to tease out, is being family in the future important? And if it is, then they have something to gain by doing the hard work of, of compromising, forgiving, and committing to change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, on the shared history side, they have something to lose if they don't do that hard work. And on the shared vision side, if we could bring that vision to light, that family is important, and this is what it looks like going forward. Um, they have something to gain, and then we can get we can leverage that compromise, forgiveness, and, and change. Um, this all rests on what we call a fulcrum of trust. Now, trust is a very interesting topic and it's, uh, people have very, very different views of trust. Um, when we think about trust, we think about trust in three different ways. Mm-hmm. The first is, well, if I like you, you like me, and we want the same things, well, I could certainly trust you. And that's often a starting point for people thinking about trust.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But in a family enterprise situation, when people start wanting different things, anger develops, guess what? They might love each other, but they stop liking each other. Mm -hmm. And if you define trust as alignment and affinity, which is is that sort of class of trust, alignment and, and affinity, if that's how you define trust, you quickly Realize that you don't trust that other person, <clears throat> and you start believing that. You start thinking positionally: trust, no trust. And once that positional thinking takes hold, the system gets polarized. So mm-hmm. if if affinity and uh, sorry, if affinity and alignment are your definitions for trust, it's very fragile in a family business. And we say that's not the definition you should you should think about. Uh-huh. It's a nice definition, it works sometimes, um, but it's not the definition that will help you in your family business. Uh-huh. Another definition that people typically uh, turn to is feeling safe when you're being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. The great sounding definition, that it's what we all want in our relationships, but in a family uh, and uh, you, spoke to my partner, Blair Tripp, about identity-based conflict and why when conflict in a family enterprise Mm. takes hold, it becomes extreme and it can become very vicious. Mm -hmm. So if you're expecting, if, if you define trust as feeling safe when you're being vulnerable, guess what happens in these extreme family business conflicts? You get eviscerated. People become the most cruel because there's so much at stake Mm -hmm. and they're not being cruel to just again to destroy the other they're often being cruel to save the other yes yes
0: um
1: but what happens is and it's a you know it's it's a statement you've probably heard a hundred times family can be the most cruel because they know how to push your buttons and they know how to push your buttons because they put those buttons in themselves Mm -hmm. you know as you were growing up Um, so if you're relying on that definition of trust, again, you quickly become polarized. Once Mm -hmm. somebody is mean to you, um, in the family business system that you expect, you should be able to feel safe with that sense of betrayal translates to, well, I don't trust that person anymore. And that polarizes the situation. We have a much different a third definition of trust that we feel is a more workable definition of trust in a family enterprise. Mm-hmm. And that is this idea of predictability. You know, the eight stages of development in the first stage is this trust versus no trust. Mm-hmm. Basically when a baby, um, baby cries, eventually learns that he'll get picked up and fed. Mm-hmm. And there's this cause and effect um, that happens that teaches the child to trust his environment, to trust his his parents. He will get fed fed and picked up and held. Uh Um, It's that thinking that led us to this idea of predictability as a basis for trust. Um, So how do we develop that? If you know your fellow stakeholders well, right? Uh if you grew up in the same house, if you're you're siblings, you know them well, you may be convinced that your brother or sister will stab you in the back any chance they get. But if you know that, you can sort of trust them. Mm -hmm. And if you know the system that connects you, if you know how the family employment policy works, if you know how wealth is distributed in the family and what those shareholders agreements say and the trust documents say, and you know what everybody's role is in the family business. Basically, you know how the the system that connects you to your fellow stakeholders, if you know how that system works, Mm -hmm. the system is predictable. Mm -hmm. So if there's predictability within the stakeholder group of each other personally, because you know them well, and if there's predictability in your system because you understand it well, Mm -hmm. trust is there. Now, again, people may want different things. They may not like each other. But once you start, once you stop defining trust as affinity and affection and feeling safe and think about this this new framework of predictability, you don't get polarized. You accept the fact that people have differences and people are allowed not to like each other without, being cast as somebody I don't trust anymore.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So when we bring this new thinking about trust to the table, not only do we avoid this polarization that happens, but we also bring to the family something that they can work on. You can build that kind of trust. You can build that kind of trust by getting to know your family members better. So in a customs consortium, uh, the stakeholders grow up in different houses, maybe different states or, or countries. Yeah. You don't know each other as well. And that just, that lack of knowledge just increases with the generations typically. Mm-hmm. Um, when in laws come into the picture, people don't know them well. So to build that sort of predictability takes effort. So let's review. So we had the shared history. we have the shared vision Uh and we have trust those are the three components of what we look for in the family factor and if you think about it you can build each of them it's Uh work becomes a workable system so shared history let's say there's a terrible shared history with lawsuits or anger or cutoffs but we, the way we work with families and helping them turn their shared history into a positive is not to whitewash it, but mm-hmm. to dig deep into those historical impasses, into those histories, to look for the good, of course, but to dig into even the bad and see if we could tease out lessons learned, values that didn't work, that need to be avoided, but, but surfaced. Mm-hmm. Um, we also may need to find forgiveness for things that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a uh, purposeful process that we take families through. Mm-hmm. But if we can work with family members to create a, a shared, uh, a new shared narrative about the past that everybody can live with, that takes the from a bad situation that teases out those, those lessons and those values that um, will help the family avoid the bad in the future and and double down on the good in in their past, then we can can strengthen that shared history and thereby strengthen their family factor. Likewise, if we can start talking about family traditions that they want to see in the future, family legacy that they're trying to build together, if we can um, have those conversations with mm-hmm. the family, so that they can get a, uh, a mental image of, of not only what their family will look like in the future, but how important that is. Then they know that they're a part of building something that's bigger than themselves, mm-hmm. and that has meaning beyond their life their life uh, lifespan. Um, that is a strong incentive for finding compromise being able to forgive and doing the hard work to change. Change is not easy, personal change, system change. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this sits on this sort of this balances on this fulcrum of trust. And if we define trust as predictability, it doesn't require that you like everybody in your family. It doesn't require um, that you are aligned, that you want the same things. All it requires is that you know each other well and you know the systems that connect you. Part of the, one of the systems that connects you is how you communicate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So communication skills and facilitating com- uh, important conversations is absolutely a part of building trust, but it's not the only part. It's getting to know each other. So. When, when we start putting together uh, the parts of our engagement that are intended to build family factor, we talk about um, vacation homes. How do you share that? How do you um, organize a family retreat? So new members to the family get to know each other. So older family members can start sharing their vision of the future and their, and their histories and their past and model the kind of behavior that will be needed in the next generation to keep this family together and, and strong. So that's sort of it in a nutshell, why the what we look for when we do our work and why it's so important. Because if we can if we could take a family that um, is polarized and we get them to think about a different framework for conflict different framework for trust and really have a tangible definition of well what is the family factor in the first what does the family bond mean if we can make that tangible for families and give them a road map for building that strength we can we can move mountains with that family
0: Uh Uh
1: and that's why in our in our methodology in our consulting methodology Over the years, um, since we've developed this framework, um, over the years, the family factor and building that family factor has emerged as probably the most important or most influential piece of the work that really leverages everything else we do with the family, whether it's uh, building a succession plan, reorganizing their, their operating company, developing corporate or family governance, writing a constitution. Once we first get the family uh, rallied around this idea of of family factor, um, good things happen quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had uh, one family that actually took this um, concept of family factor and it was so uh, impactful for them. There were several musicians in the family and they actually wrote a song about it and sing it at their retreats. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really, it's a fun process and it's an important, meaningful process for families.
0: Absolutely. And just from learning um, about family factor, how important it is and also how to build it as well as how to measure it. And I think... A lot of um, the ways you use to measure it are so unique, but are anchors, especially when it comes to families. When we look at all at what all of this that impact families—the um, shared history, shared vision, that need for for trust, and the holistic. Family factor and how it can be strong as well as weak. We've had a discussion around the um, conversation that says that family businesses are not as successful as their other counterparts. What do you think about that? And how do you think the family factor, in terms of all the moving parts that go into being a family, impacts a family business in it being
1: strong or in it being weak? So my, my personal my personal pet peeve in, in this whole industry of family business consulting uh-huh. um, is this overused and misleading quote that I hear all the time. And that is that, uh, and it varies with who's saying it and what the circumstances are, but it, it basically goes like this that only one third of family businesses succeed to the third generation. Mm-hmm. Now somehow, and the implication of course, is that family businesses are somehow more risky than non-family businesses, because after all that statistic sounds terrible. I, I know, I, I'm sorry, I mis, I misquoted the statistic. Let me back up mm-hmm. that um, what only one third of family business succeed to the next generation. Mm-hmm. So that by the third generation, uh, less than one out of 10 survive.
0: Mm. Okay,
1: that's the statistic and it's my pet feed. Um, that statistic was actually based on research that was done. I think it was in the, the automobile parts business in Detroit, uh, several family businesses were in a, a study I'm not sure, I think it was John Ward who did the study early on, but I don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. And there were some statistics developed and actually uh, what, what the original statistics said was that um, one out of 10 succeed through the, through the third into the fourth. So when people quote the statistics, it's not as, even those statistics aren't as bad. But the real problem mm-hmm. with, with that whole mindset is it's just wrong because all businesses face risk. Absolutely. Family businesses are actually, when you, when you look at the unique threats to a family business, because of it's being a family business, there are really two challenges that transcend just being in business. Mm-hmm. So every business face, faces market risks, economic risks, you have to have a good idea. Some just don't have a good business concept to begin with. So when you strip out just regular business failures um, from, from the universe of fa- business failures that are family business, what you find is that family businesses are actually more robust, more profitable than their non-family counterparts.
0: Mm-hmm. And in
1: those statistics, and this is what blows my mind, in those statistics, our families who've sold their businesses For a lot of money and they sold their businesses either, you know, for good reason, because there wasn't an heir that was interested or the nature of that industry is, yeah, uh, to compete on a global scale, you need to be acquired because the big players have the marketplace. And that is the business plan that makes sense. You build a small company up, it becomes acquired into a bigger system that you need for distribution and and global impact. And that's a huge success story. It's not a failure just because it didn't transition and stay a family business. So again, when you look at family businesses um, in the proper context, they're really robust. They uh, are the longest lived companies. The first company I worked for, I have an engineering background. I worked for Polaroid, the instant camera people. Wow. And I worked for them in the late 70s. Um, and, you know, they were the Apple computer of its day. They were the tech giant. And I actually worked directly for Dr. Land. And um, it was a fascinating experience. But Polaroid was such a fixture. And to think that Polaroid just 10 years later would would triple up. Um, I think the brand is still out there, but it's not a company like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just Mind-blowing! That wasn't a family business. You look at other brand names. How how many how many businesses last fifty or seventy-five years? True. When you look around them, they're family businesses. So to somehow imply that family businesses are uh, you know the the ugly stepchild of real businesses is absolutely wrong. And people that promote that statistic to put family businesses in that light are doing family business stakeholders a disservice, I think. Um, it's a wonderful uh, form of business. It's a great way to um, build capital in your family. Not all family businesses are destined to succeed ad infinitum through the generations. Um, sometimes they sell and family redeploys that ca- that capital into new businesses or education for their kids or other productive purposes. There's no shame in not succeeding to the next generation if that's your plan. But the two big threats for family businesses mm-hmm. are um, first and foremost, lack of planning. And that depends on your country uh, and, and the tax laws because in, in the United States, family businesses are, are hit with inheritance taxes. And so you have to plan for that. So every 25 years, you have to plan for the potential of having to pay a a significant tax for the transfer. But there are ways to plan around that. And if you have the right help, you can manage that for the long-term. The second biggest threat is uh, the fact that when you're working with family, the potential for conflict is higher than when you're not working for family or working with family or co-owning with family. And that's because the family business system is a highly interdependent system. And anytime you have a highly interdependent system with a lot of moving parts, you know we think in our minds, we think of a complex watch mechanism with a lot of gears that are interconnected and they all have to work together. Family business is like that. The stakeholders in a family business are connected in many, many different ways, much more so than in a non-family business. Uh, and like any complex machine with a lot of interconnected moving parts, things can go wrong. And in a family business, that's conflict. Now, we when we think of the family factor, let's bring this back to the family factor. When we think of the family factor, we think of it as the... the measure of resiliency to conflict. And if conflict is indeed the, we think the number one threat to family businesses Mm -hmm. uh, that are unique to family businesses that really do feed into a statistic of why family businesses fail um, in the proper context. When we think about uh, conflict as the, 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 the key concern, managing conflict well is a key concern for family businesses. We think of building the family factor as the, um, the best insurance that a family can, can attain um, for managing conflict. It's mm-hmm. that resiliency factor, it gives them that leverage to compromise, to forgive, and to adapt to or initiate change. Mm-hmm. So, um, long-winded answer to your question about, um, you know, the statistics and uh, this idea that family businesses are somehow not uh, as as good as non-family businesses or as reliable. You know, if you manage conflict well. If you have, if you focus on building a strong family around that enterprise, you can do do great things with a family enterprise.
0: Thank you so, so much, Doug, for joining me today and for your insights into the family factor. And also then your insights and, um, what can I say? revelation of the fact that family businesses are the ones that last for such a long time because of I think all of the things you mentioned in the family factor play a a huge role in making sure that families stay together that shared history you find the family businesses that um stay for 50, 100, or even, I think there's a Japanese business that's 500 years old. It's because of that shared history and that shared vision for future and also that trust. So the family factor really is key to multi-generational businesses and multi-generational wealth building within a family. I'd like to just thank you once again and ask you if there's any parting words you'd like to share with
1: our audience today. Well, um, if this conversation was of interest. I encourage you to read our book, Deconstructing Conflict. We have a, not only do we have a chapter in uh, about family factor and building it and about trust, et cetera, but um, we're at, that's gonna actually be the subject of our next book. The next book will be uh, entirely about the family factor. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wish all of your listeners um, success in their family enterprise. and. Thank you. This has really been enjoyable and uh, and fun for me. Thank you. Thank you.